0: Good evening, everyone. We've been in a series called Struggling with God over the last uh, handful of weeks here, really looking at some deep and challenging questions to our faith. One of the things that we said is, as human beings, if we're going to interact with a perfect and infinite God, there are bound to be struggles in that process. And we've been saying that if we're going to even embrace that process and even begin it, we have to recognize that we are going to struggle at that, and we need to approach that struggle with faith. One of the things we've been looking at as Pastor Jeff has been laying the foundation for this whole conversation it is he looked at this passage in Isaiah chapter 55, where Isaiah points out something that God said. He said, "'For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways,' declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways.'" and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We say that if we're going to struggle with God, we have to just kind of concede and recognize that we are never going to fully see the the scope that God sees, that his perspective and his vantage point is always going to be broader, it's always going to be deeper, it's always going to be higher than ours, and we kind of have to come to peace with that and come to grips with that when we don't understand what we've been saying is we need to lean towards faith and lean away from doubt. That when I don't understand and I can't put the pieces together, I need to look at God and say, I trust his heart. I'm going to believe that he is good and that he loves me. Pastor Jeff kind of laid out this, found, this definition of faith. He said, faith is choosing to believe in what I cannot and will not ever fully ever understand. Faith is choosing to believe in what I cannot and will never fully understand. As we've been looking at faith and where that comes from, a handful of weeks ago, we looked at the Bible and we said, if we're going to struggle with God, that has to be kind of the the parameters that we struggle within. We need to accept the authority of the Bible. and, And we need to see that as the starting point and the basis of truth. We then looked and said, how do we interact with the Bible? How do we personally use it? And then we walked through a handful of challenging questions. I think over the last handful of weeks, we looked at the exclusive claims of Jesus, where he would say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Kind of laying down an exclusive one-way road to heaven is only through the person of Jesus. We examined those claims. We looked a few weeks ago at the reality that we live in an evil world, And did the scriptures say that we have a good God yet live in an evil world? How does that all work out? And then last week, Pastor Jeff walked us through a very challenging question. Does a loving God send people to hell? Because if you're just catching up, if you're just coming in for the first time, or maybe you missed a week or two out on vacation, I would highly encourage you to grab one of those conversations. You can do that online through our website graceohio.org, hit the media tab, and you can watch or listen any of those messages. They're all for you, all for free, um, online on our website. Today, we're going to take another step and in, uh, in tackle the very light subject of hypocrisy in the church, right? That's a very easy one to tackle. And uh, we're going to look at that. It is a, um, a massive problem, a prickly problem we're going to see. But as we're Working through that, I think as we look at our own faith and as we interact with Jesus, one of the things that comes to the surface is this question, at least in some format, comes out like this. If Jesus is real and the Bible is true, and the gospel message that comes from the Bible that that Jesus gave us, if that's transformational for us, if that transforms, if our faith makes us different people, then how is it? that there are so many people that are in the church that are left unchanged. How's that possible? It's a good and it's a valid question. As we're working this through together, as I've had conversations with with friends, we tend to look at this and even go back into church history. Say, how is it possible that that the church itself has, has been oftentimes very corrupted? Let's look at things like the Crusades. Let's, let's look at the political interactions that the church has made and how do you explain that? How do you explain televangelists and gross moral failure within church leadership? How do you do math on all those different pieces? Guys, I'm not sure if we can fully answer this question tonight, but what I want to do is begin to unpack and unravel it a little bit and start to get our minds and our hearts around it and see if we can at least get some clarity on how there can be hypocrisy in the church, one of the things we're going to see is that there are some pieces of that claim that are more legitimate than others. Uh, There are some pieces that are valid, that we actually need to own. There are some pieces of that claim that are not so valid, and actually uh, need some more clarity and some more definition. Let's look into this, though, as we move forward. I want us to see that uh, hypocrisy itself kind of needs a definition. One of the things we said is that hypocrisy is this. It is pretending to be something that I'm not. It's pretending to be something that I'm not, usually in regard to character or belief. Another way to say it is this. It's the gap between what I claim that I am and what I really am. It's kind of that gap. This is who I say I am. This is what I claim. This is what I stand for. And this is how I actually live. That gap between those two things really is what hypocrisy is all about, kind of the framework that it comes from. And that term, hypocrite or hypocrisy, came from Greek drama, the days of Greek drama, right, where, where we didn't have sophisticated uh, kind of costumes. And so what they would do is multiple actors or actresses would play multiple parts, right? So I might have one person playing three or four roles and what they would do is they would grab a mask and they would hold the mask in front of their face and they would play a role. And then they would go backstage and put that mask down, pick up another mask, put it on and go out and play a different role. And that started to form the concept of hypocrite or hypocrisy. It's to be duplicitous, it's to be two-faced, it's to have kind of multiple pieces of my life and a lack of integrity. It's to be pretending in some of my beliefs. That is kind of the idea of hypocrisy. Now, I want us to start to look at this, because this claim that there's so much hypocrisy in the church, there are pieces, like I said, that are not quite as valid. We need to start to see that some of these pieces need to be weakened a little bit, because hypocrisy is really not just a problem of the church. It's a problem of humanity. I gotta, some of you guys don't know me as well as others. I, I want to tell you guys that before I knew Jesus, my own hypocrisy, before I knew Jesus, was actually part of what drove me to faith in Christ. Let me explain what I mean. When I was a younger man, I was, I was looking for a role model, you know, somebody who was like the real deal that I could mimic and become like. And so I would kind of, it wasn't fair of me at all, but I would kind of pick people that I respected and lock into them and start to set them up as a role model to kind of form and shape my life after. And as I got to know them, I found out that for various reasons, right, they're human. There's no way they could live up to to my standards. And so I would kind of downgrade them, find a new role model, and do the same thing all over again. Well, as I found out that that really wasn't going to work, I sought out myself to try to kind of make my own standards, not biblical standards, my own standards. And I was going to become the person that I really wanted to be, right? I read some great self-help books and went after it. And as I set out that standard, what I found in myself is that I wasn't even able to live up to my own standards. That I found there was a gap even before I knew Jesus. And one of the things that blew my mind is that that I am a hypocrite. I can't even do what I believe. All that drove me to need a higher source of power. I needed someone who was perfect to look to, to change me, and to transform me. There's one thing to see is that hypocrisy is not just a church problem. It's an everybody problem. Every faith and every code and every creed and kind of every person would say at one time or another, we've had that gap. We've had hypocrisy play out in our hearts and lives. As I talk to friends that don't know Jesus, that's one of the first things that they'll claim is they're intellectually honest oftentimes. And and they'll say... There is a gap between what I really idealize and how I really live. I think sometimes perhaps they're even more honest than we are as Christ followers. One of the things that weakens that claim against the church that hypocrisy is really the home, it's kind of homed in the church, is that hypocrisy is really more homed in humanity. It's maybe been exploited in the church, but it's really everywhere. It's a problem for everyone. Everyone. Another piece that, that changes this a little bit is sometimes pockets of Christianity have raised up aspects of, uh, of the Christian faith that are actually not, they've kind of made them unbiblical. They've taken it too far. Here's an example. So sometimes pockets of the church have set up and said that if you're a Christ follower, that you can almost be Perfect. You can be so holy and so good that you can almost be perfect on this side of heaven. Now, what's happened is, since that claim has been elevated, people outside of the church have looked at that claim and then looked at our lives. And when we obviously haven't met that standard, they look and say, hypocrites. So, what we have to do is unravel that, apologize that that claim has been made. Say, no, the Bible doesn't actually teach that. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside me when I'm a follower of Jesus and he changes me from the inside out and that is a process that continues to play out until I draw my last breath. I will not be perfect this side of heaven. I never want to claim that. I'm going to apologize when that has been claimed and then when that's someone's understanding of Christianity because frankly, It's false. Another way that shows up, here's, a, here's kind of a, a claim that's made about Christianity that's not fully true. Sometimes I have friends that, that live an alternative lifestyle, right, and they'll look and say, see, Ryan, there's hypocrisy in the church. They'll say, look, what, you, how can you possibly say that my lifestyle is sinful? And I would look and say, my friend, the Bible The Christian faith, the church, never claimed that they would tolerate this. The the Christian faith, in fact, clearly states that we view that alternative lifestyle as sinful, just like we do divorce without certain clauses or immoral relationships before marriage or fill in your blank. There's tons of things that we would unapologetically say we don't tolerate those in belief. We believe that those acts are sinful. So when someone looks at me and they look at my, my choice to say, I believe that that's a sinful act, that's actually not hypocritical because we, we never claimed that we were going to tolerate sin. Christians don't tolerate sin. Not in our belief. Right? We don't look at it and condone it. Now, let me check this. If a Christ follower looks at someone with an alternative lifestyle and, and, and withholds love and compassion and gentleness, that's hypocritical. Do you know why? Because we claim to be people that show love and compassion and gentleness to all people. We aren't going to tolerate sin. That's not part of what Scripture calls us to. However, we are people that show love and grace and compassion. We need to be measured against the standard in which the Bible creates for us. That's part of what's so foggy about the claims of hypocrisy today. Let me give you one more, and then we'll move to the next kind of next phase. This is probably one of the harder ones, but it helps us to understand how incredibly immoral things have happened within the church, Jesus would say this in Matthew chapter seven. He's talking in the Sermon on the Mount and he's finishing it up here in this message and he says this in verse 21 of chapter seven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform any miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers." Jesus is saying here and elsewhere that the church itself will always have people in and among it that are not genuine Christ followers. It's one of the hard things to kind of accept about the Christian faith, but it, it explains why we've had some incredible black eyes throughout church history because not everyone who's attached to the church is a follower of Jesus. I want to show you one more passage because it's a little bit obscure and it might surprise you. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Let me just read it, and it will, uh, I think, bring clarity to this. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. 13. Apostle Paul, talking to the church in Corinth, he says, for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, listen to this, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. He says their end will be what their actions deserve. Apostle Paul and Jesus are looking and saying, within the church, there will always be people connected to the church that are not genuine, that, that are actually there on purpose to disrupt and pull people away from the true faith. As we need to know all those pieces, because those help us to understand how hypocrisy shows up, we need to measure the Christian faith based on what it actually claims. We need to know that some people aren't going to be Christ followers that are actually connected to the church body. And we need to know that hypocrisy is not just a church problem. It's an everybody problem. It's found everywhere. Those are some of the pieces that starts to kind of um, make that claim illegitimate. Now, however, there are pieces of that claim that are very legitimate. And we need to move towards those now. And this part is a little bit painful stings a little bit because nobody wants to be called a hypocrite. However, I fear that hypocrisy is a major issue that shows up in Scripture. It's an issue that shows up, I think, in my life and in our lives. I want us to begin to see how this works. Hypocrisy starts in the heart. Hypocrisy starts in the heart. Hypocrisy is a hard issue. It's pretending. It's looking at who I am. It's looking at what I want people to think that I am. And I, I choose to take this image that I've projected and wear it as a mask. And I can hide behind that mask. And I can operate behind that mask. And one of the things that we see is this hypocrisy can look a couple different ways. It probably can look a bunch, but we're going to talk about a couple tonight, I can mask my agenda, kind of within the framework of the church, right? So when I'm saying church, what I mean by that is in and around Christian people, it could be services, it could be a real life group, it could be the place that I connect with other Christ followers, and how that can show up is... I'm, my connection to the church is motivated by something other than what the church stands for there's another reason there's another motivation there's another agenda that shows up this problem of the church bothered jesus i think at pretty pretty major levels i want us to see this i'll read this passage to you in matthew chapter 23 He's about to go to the cross, and he's interacting with a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and he's walking through a set of what we call woes or curses, and Jesus says this to the teachers of the law. Verse 25 of chapter 23, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. He uses this example of doing dishes, Jesus does. And he looks and says, Pharisees, you're all about the appearance what people see. And you make sure to give attention to that part. What you fail to give attention to is your motivation. He said inside, on the inside of your life and the inside of your heart, there is an agenda. And he says that's greed and it's self-indulgence. As the Pharisees were known for operating in such a way as to project an image of themselves that was not what they really were on the inside. They've kind of taken on that reputation. Jesus had the most harsh words to say to folks that were operating here. Guys, we have to start to ask the question, What is my agenda? I saw this play out in a, in a way in this lunch that I had a few weeks ago. I kind of knew this message was coming. And yet, in this conversation, it was a great conversation. I had it with two men, one of the newer pastors here, Pastor Nate, was with me, and, and another guy that we were talking to and have a great conversation with. We're talking about what we're learning you know, in the Bible. It was fantastic because we're all learning and growing and changing, and then all of a sudden, I find myself coming kind of out of my mouth. There's this statement. And I, I said, I've been reading the book of Luke. And I said, and Lori and I, you know, we've been, we've been trying to read through the Gospels this week. This was like Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember what day it was. We weren't even close to on track okay, to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in one week. Pretty aggressive reading schedule. I threw that statement out there. A couple hours later, God brought that statement back to my mind. And it was almost like he was asking me, Ryan, why'd you bring that up? Why don't you just tell him what you're learning? Why'd you have to plug in here? That you're, you're trying to read through this massive amount of scripture with your wife. Why'd you plug that? And boy, there's a moment. When I saw in my own heart, the reason I brought that up is I was projecting. I wanted that man to see me as more spiritual than I am. I wanted him to think I was more disciplined than I really am. I was putting on a mask in that interaction and pretending to be someone that I'm not. That was an act of hypocrisy. My agenda was to be respected. What I need us to see, this is why this is so hard, is that hypocrisy is painful and it's hard to see the masks that I'm wearing and the agendas that are actually driving me. I want to do something real quick. It's kind of off the cuff here. I want you to just take five seconds And I want you to just to ask yourself, I mean this in love, this is not a a mean way. I want you to ask yourself why you're here tonight. Just take five seconds and just think about that. Okay. Being honest at that level of why would I connect myself to a church? and connect myself to God, it it can be incredibly foggy as to the true motivations of my heart. Throughout history, people have attached themselves to the church because it was advantageous for them politically. When they had a cause or a campaign that the church and its beliefs and its power could advance, they would attach themselves to it and let the church ride their their kind of motivation and their momentum forward. If we're going to be honest, and we're going to be true and have integrity, we have to look at this motivation, because there can be all kinds of reasons to attach to spiritual things, and attach to church, and attach to Jesus. Because I know that one of the reasons can be, I can wear the mask... Kind of hiding the agenda of I want to gain financially. If I'm motivated to get networked in a community, this is a great church to come to. If you want to meet people for business relationships, I can put that mask on, show up, and network. And I I can drop Jeff Bogue's name, and, and he's known in the community, right? If I want to meet a husband or wife, it's an agenda. It's not necessarily even a bad one. But if I'm masking the reason for connecting to a church and connecting to God and what's actually driving my behavior is some other piece of heart motivation. Maybe it's to to quiet a spouse who drug you here. Maybe it's to, to be with family, see your grandkids, see your kids. Because there's all kinds of reasons that we would show up and that we would connect. What we have to do, I think, is if we're going to be honest and if we're going to wrestle through this claim of hypocrisy, it's got to start here. It's got to start with me, and it has to start in my own heart. Because there's all kinds of reasons. And it takes people of courage to look into the heart and to say, what's this really about for me? Is it really about Jesus? Is it really about loving people and knowing Jesus and advancing his kingdom as a response to his love for me? Guys, we want to be there. I know that none of us live there all the time, myself included. That's one way hypocrisy shows up another way that it shows up is i can mask my faith in the world mask my faith in the world kind of let's say this is in the world so let's say that when i walk out this door and i kind of live my life and i'm going home and i'm going work and i'm going to school and i'm doing life as normal What happens is there's aspects of Christianity in every generation that are not socially acceptable. There's aspects of Christianity that that if people know that I'm a Christ follower, will not advance my situation at work. Right? When everybody's doing it, when the peer pressure is overwhelming. And it causes me to to feel pressure to pick up that mask and put it on and hide my faith when I'm not at church. When When I sincerely believe in Jesus, and I sincerely love God, and I'm out kind of connected in my normal life, there will be an incredible temptation for me to hide that. When I go to work, I might wrestle deeply and say, I don't know if I can get the promotion because these things are going to clash. Everybody cuts corners. How do I deal with that and still have faith? Some of us deal with this at school at a major level. Some of our teens were just at Momentum Youth Conference. That's where Pastor Jeff is this week. If you think about that, pray for those students. Hundreds of our students are making decisions for Jesus. As I think about being a student, I didn't follow Jesus in, in high school. I, don't, I can't imagine what the pressure feels like when everyone else is doing it and everyone else is against you. The temptation to, to mask my faith is incredible. As this shows up at home, when I haven't been following Jesus the way that I want to follow Jesus it becomes incredibly difficult to initiate prayer because I know I haven't been living the life that God's called me to, and my family sees that. So I put on a mask and hide my faith. What drives this form of hypocrisy is fear and shame, the respect of people and pleasing people overrides the desire to please god what drives this form of hypocrisy is some kind of selfish ambition or motivation right there's something that i want and i'm kind of using the things of god to get those things accomplished guys i recognize that this is This is painful. This is painful for me. But if I'm going to look at these claims, and if I'm going to look at someone that's wrestling, or maybe I'm wrestling with the claims of hypocrisy, I have to look at these pieces, the motivations of my heart, and say, busted. Busted. When someone asks me, Ryan, how do you put up with the hypocrisy in the church? I say, um, I've been a hypocrite, and sometimes I still am. I'm a recovering hypocrite. That's reality. I think that's the reality for most of us. As we look at this equation, kind of the legitimate parts of hypocrisy in the church and for Christians in general, what is God asking me to do with this? God is asking me to take the step of faith, to remove the masks, to remove the shame and the fear and the doubt for the desire for selfish ambition, to put the masks down, to stop pretending, to be real, and kind of stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I I put down my masks, and I take up your cross. I need you to change me, Lord, because I'm kind of a mess. And Jesus longs to see that happen. Because this is the stuff, this is the reason that Jesus came. No one can really avoid this stuff. Our hearts are all messed up. Jesus would have loved it if the Pharisees would have said, Jesus, you're right, and he would have forgiven them on the spot. He longed to see that happen. He longs to see that happen in our lives. I want you to see this passage in 2 Corinthians, and then we're going to wrap this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul is talking about pieces of this, and he's talking about a team of workers that he works with in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. He says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ, Verse 7, but we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel, good news of Jesus, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. How is this supposed to work? If we're all, at the end of the day, some form of hypocrite, how is this supposed to play out? The Apostle Paul said, you know what we're like? We're like jars of clay, The jars of clay in the ancient world were were basically nothing. They were just plain, literally, jars of clay, and you would store money in them or sometimes garbage in them, and they were common for use. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that Jesus has chosen to put his perfection, his gospel in us, and the hope is that somehow the world would be able to see the light Of that transformation through our brokenness. This is that when we stand before the world and we stand before each other, we don't claim ourselves as Lord, we don't claim ourselves as perfect, we don't dodge or deny hypocrisy. We, We own it. We confess it. And we say that that's exactly why I need Jesus Christ. Because my heart is impure because there is a gap, because my motivations are mixed. Because what's amazing is Jesus can continue to change us and mold us from the inside out, and that gap can shrink a little bit throughout our lifetime. We'll never be perfect. I don't want you to hear that. But we can be changed, and we can be healed as we bring our masks, and our hypocrisy to Christ, You kind of say, this is me. Lord, save me. Rescue me. Change me. As if you've never done that before. Sometimes I realize that if I wear a mask too long, I start to believe it's real. sometimes that takes some time to unravel. I might not even realize that I've been faking it. If you've never thought, I think I'm faking it, okay, that's a good question to ask. If you ever wondered if you're like a Pharisee? That's a good question to ask. It's a good, it's a good question to look at and say, is hypocrisy in my life? And I'm going to ask the band to come out. There's a couple steps I think we can take moving out of this conversation. If you're anything like me and you recognize the presence of hypocrisy, maybe that's leading you to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Jesus is the only one who's never been a hypocrite. The only one that I know. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross, in doing so, he paid for our sin. And what he does is he makes an offer for us to receive that forgiveness for our sins. His perfect life for our marred and imperfect life. It's an exchange. Jesus says, will you accept that? Will you receive that? And if you do that, I will change you from the inside out I will secure your future in heaven. I will come and live inside of you and give you access to power that you've never had before. As if you've never made that decision, I would encourage you to do that. Just tell Jesus, Lord, I need you. I've been a hypocrite. I'm sorry. Save me. Surrender the definition and the control of your life to him tonight. guys, for the rest of us, I believe it takes an incredible amount of courage to actually take a good, hard look at my own heart. I would encourage you to do that. Would Would you take that step to look inward, and to say, is there any trace of hypocrisy in me? Am I the real deal? Guys, whatever you find, would you bring that to Jesus in prayer and in our worship time tonight? you say, Lord, change me. Rescue me. Close the gap in my life. Change me from the inside out. Let's do that together. Jesus, we love you. And we recognize that we are not always true. And at times there's hypocrisy in our own lives. Lord, would you give us courage to first look at the mask and then to put it down and to give it to you Lord, as we exchange our masks for relationship with you, I pray that you would heal us, make us people of integrity, that, that somehow the weak and imperfect, Lord, shows you to the people around us. or we want to be the real deal. Change us, even tonight. Speak to our hearts, Lord. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.